Um, you know, big big announcement. Uh, I'll, I'll preface it with Coach Hibble called me last week and said, "Hey, what are your thoughts on hosting a men's regional this year?" And I said, "That sounds pretty rough." You know, we're saying we're twenty something days away, and he said, "No, like for real." Um, so here we are. Um, we win Big Twelve uh, in in a in a great form and fashion, beating beating the the Longhorns and, and the Cowboys and. Yeah. Here we here we go. We roll right into it with a with a men's regional uh in 2022. Uh Yeah, that's like, so that's, that's this year, Tyler. That's this year. That's <laughs> yeah. like 2 weeks from now. Um how did this come about? It was supposed I guess 3 weeks. It was supposed to be in Tuscaloosa. So how did this happen? Yeah, it's, you know, kind of one of those things uh you put yourself in those positions uh as as a team. Uh so Tuscaloosa, the, you know, it's their their home course. Let let the NCAA know they just found out, mind you, just found out that their greens are not going to be in shape for this regional, um, and they they sadly had to had to withdraw from doing it. So, being the number one team in the country, uh, it's a it's quite the honor, um, obviously, and and so it, it defaults to us. Um, and I I will tell you, if we you know there was there was never a second in my mind that I, I was going to tell coach Hibble that we didn't want to do it, but that would kind of be a lie. I kind of thought, man, this is going to be, this is going to be a lot, uh, but it, it would have gone to OSU if we would have said no. So obviously that was never going to happen. Yeah. And, and it is, we're, we're, we're so, you know, we talk about it all the time. I've got one of the greatest superintendents in the state of Oklahoma, Cody Elwood, who does an incredible job. And, and we keep, you know, I, I tell people we we're about three to five days away from championship conditions, almost every time of the year now granted dormant um we you know the we're going to be praying for some praying for some more heat um but we you know the golf course is incredible we had a had a u.s open qualifier on tuesday um and and so it's it's ready to roll we have we have six a high school state uh the week before the regional that we were kind of already prepping and getting ready for that uh but now it just you know it's it's golf in Oklahoma, guys. How how exciting! Um, how much fun can we can we have? And 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 we're we're blessed to be able to do it here at the Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club. So. Well, I'm excited because all of their tournaments this year have been in far off places. You know, it's been kind of hard to go watch them in person. I guess the Big Twelve down in Trinity, Texas, was the closest that they've right. had. So just our opportunity to get out and see Coach Hibble's team. Uh, before hopefully they head out to Greyhawk and and try to win a national championship, but it's May 16 through 18. So what all goes into trying to get the course ready between now and then? You bet. Yeah, we uh, we put out a healthy healthy dose of fertilizer. Um, actually, on on the Friday after I got the call from from Ryan, um, and and so just just really kind of getting everything prepped, getting our minds wrapped around it. You know, this will be. This will be the sixth NCAA regional that that we've hosted here in the last decade. So nothing nothing new to us, which makes you know gives us a, a, a lot of confidence. And obviously the NCAA has a lot of confidence in us to give us <laughs> give us something like this. And with twenty something days, you know, lead up. Uh, normally your runway is about twelve to sixteen months. Um, but the biggest thing, and, and you know, for for the listeners out there, this is this is such a great opportunity, like you said, to not only be a part of. Uh, you know, hopefully a great national championship run with with Coach Hibble and, and the guys. But um, there's there's going to be some awesome volunteer opportunities. Um, we're gonna we're gonna need some need some help from from some fans and 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 what a great way to be be involved in it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have the site live to sign up. Hopefully 
by this afternoon. We'll say at least by tomorrow. Um, so if you go to OUGolfClub.com, it'll be on the main page uh, where a big, big picture that says sign up now to volunteer. Um, but walking scores, ball spotters, you know, timing people, um, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of cool opportunities. Yeah, uh, we, we, we do need the voice, uh, I, I would yeah. assume, to, uh, to make yeah. an appearance. Uh, but it, it is. It's, it, like, like we said, you know, Toby, you and I were kind of texting about it, just the opportunity. Uh, and, and, again, there, there's, no, there's nothing like golf in Oklahoma. We've got, you know, it's, it's the same week, week as the PGA Championship. So how cool is that? Um, you know, hosting, hosting right before and then, and then everything, you know, all the, all the greats of golf are going to be in Tulsa that week uh, following. So it's a, it's a great time to be an Oklahoma golf fan. And it's, uh, you know, look forward to, to having, having a lot of people sign up and, 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 and really help out, you know, push this team to hopefully, hopefully move on, you know, win a, win a regional, obviously top five, move on to, to nationals. And that's, that's the, that's kind of where the, the focus turns Win one big 12 and then just focus on the next. So. Yeah, Ryan probably hopes that we have three days just like today, too, where it's like 20 to 30 mile an hour winds. All, all the rest <laughs> of us normal golfers hate it. I, I mean, you correct me. I think he feels like that's what separates his team is when they get Oklahoma conditions. So I bet he's hoping Absolutely. for some windy days. Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing. You know, it's there's there's no there's nothing like playing at home, but there's also an added pressure of playing at home. Um, so if we get the, the conditions that, that we are we are accustomed to, like you said, that, that we don't love as Oklahoma golfers, but we love whenever other people come in because they don't know what the heck to do with it. Um, so it is. It, it's, it's, it's exciting, um, and, and it truly is one of those. You, you, whenever you get the opportunity to host stuff like this, um, it's, it's great for the facility, and, and it's great for you know, our priority is always our, our men's and women's golf teams. So, uh, we'll, and we'll do it again next year. Um, so, you know, don't, don't look now, but we're, we're hosting this year. We've, we've got another men's regional that we, that we were awarded three years ago, uh, in 2023. We take a, a quick little break in 2024 and then we could roll right back into a women's regional in 2025. Um, so, you know, what, like we always say, this is uh, a championship golf club and that's, that's what we're here for. And it, and it's exciting. You know, as the guy that, that gets the opportunity to run all of this to, to you know, challenge our staff and challenge, uh, you know, the, the community to come out and support. And, and, and it, you know, it, it means the world to us for sure. Give me your handicap on OU's chances to win the whole kit and caboodle this year. And, it, it, you know, it's just one of those things. It, it continues to it – shouldn't, it shouldn't shock or amaze me anymore. But, you know, what, what Ryan's been able to do – um, you know, Jonathan Brightwell last year in the transfer portal. Now we've got this Chris Goddard up kid from, you know, from Rutgers. He's a Jersey boy. Uh, and he comes in and, and I remember the first day he was on campus, he was out hitting balls and Ryan said, Hey, come look at this guy swing. And just, you know, he's got that sound. Um, so for, for our, you know, a guy that came in that quickly became, you know, our, our one a or one B with Logan McAllister, to, to make the run that we did last year, obviously came up just short as the runner-up uh, against Pepperdine. I, I feel very, very confident. Now, golf is, as, as everybody knows, you, you can feel as strong as, as ever, and then all of a sudden golf reaches around and hits you right in the nose. Um, I, I would say, you know, we'll go in as the odds favorite. Um, we'll, you know, what, what we've been able to accomplish, and, and guys like Patrick Welch, uh, you know, a guy that's been around and, and been in the program for, you know, three years now, He's playing some great golf, had a win this season already. 
um, somebody like a Chris Goddard up, somebody like a Logan McAllister, somebody like a Drew Goodman, who's a true freshman, who is playing incredible golf and, and really above his his pay grade. Uh, and then somebody like, you know, our lefty Stephen Campbell. If it all comes together like it should, I hope we run away with the thing. Um, but obviously we've just got to keep doing the right things, keep working hard, uh, and put ourselves in position to, to, you know, hoist that trophy at the end. Hey, last question. We'll let you go. If you can't get the course ready in time for the regional on May 16th, uh, who would be to blame? Oh man, that's a good question. I, I would, I would it's think TJ's uh, fault. No, it definitely would be TJ's fault. That's the only answer. Yeah, to that I would think TJ's fault for it's sure. TJ's yeah. fault. Yeah. Yeah. The only yeah, answer. Yeah. The only acceptable answer at this point. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. So that's please, right. well, and, it, and please, if we TJ, do, I mean, try I've to help got, as best you can. I've got his cell phone number, so if we need him early morning or or late evening, I'll I'll be giving you a buzz, TJ. If we need to get something buttoned up, that sounds good. TJ, TJ doesn't even know what a golf course is, much less. The hey, hey! I was just there, at so Top Golf the other night. <laughs> That's right. Very, very similar, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Tyler, congratulations and uh, good luck to you guys as you get ready for a huge event coming to Norman. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you guys for your support, and like I said, OUGolfClub.com. Be looking for the sign up to uh, to help us out and volunteer. Um, and, and come out and support the guys uh, in, in, in our big run. So appreciate you guys. We'll talk soon. All right, see you. That'd be cool. Right. I, uh, a lot of people uh, are going to want to volunteer to help out, um, you know, the walking scores and all the things that they need. Uh, just a cool way to spend a few days. Of course, TJ will be at the lake or something, but the rest of you <laughs> out there that do love OU and would be willing to help, don't forget to go sign up. At, uh, what did he say, OUGolfClub.com? Yes. I think is what he said. All right. Uh, Brian Smoller, play-by-play voice of K-State Baseball, next. The Ref. Network studios are powered by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. We got baseball at L. Dale tonight, 630 game one, Sooners and Cats. And we're joined now by the... Outstanding play-by-play voice for K-State Baseball, Brian Smoller. Good morning, Brian. How are you today? I'm good, Toby. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Looking forward to seeing you tonight, bud. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to get out of the rain. It's, it's, uh, it's raining currently here in the Little Apple, so looking forward to being out of the rain when we get down there. Well, uh, I, I, I don't think it's going to rain tonight. There's like a 30% chance of some, some storms tonight, but I think we're probably going to be okay. But don't you know? Hang on to your hat because it's the wind is definitely howling down here. So be prepared for that. Hey, tell me about this uh, Kansas State baseball team this year and and how they played to this point. Well, truthfully, the wind has been a big part of K State's success this year. As you know, Twinton Family Stadium in the Little Apple is a, somewhat of a bandbox. I mean, it's not Alley P. Reynolds, the old Oklahoma State Stadium, where it was with a launch pad for years of Gary Ward and those type of teams. It's not quite that.
uh, difficult to try and cobble together some experience there. They have talent. I think they have 10 to 13 guys that can throw 92 or harder, so they certainly have arm talent. It's just a matter of throwing strikes. They have uh, committed walks, hit by pitches, and defensively some errors, and really that's the story of the season. If they they make mistakes, they, they put themselves in a big bind, they play clean baseball, they can compete with anyone. It looks like they should be coming in with some confidence. Uh, took two or three from Texas. That's no easy trick. Sooners have seen those guys and since then have played well as well. So would you say they're playing pretty good ball coming in? I would say that they're playing their best baseball of the season. Now, I would caveat that by saying that on the road, they have they have really struggled. And, and whether that's because of just being at home, I mean, everybody plays better at home, right? Um but this team has been more Jekyll and Hyde with that home and away split than, than any team that I can remember. They have just been unbelievable at home. The, the, you mentioned the Texas series. That's the third top ten team that they've taken a series from at home here the last two years, and they've largely been about a 32-win team. So that, that's not necessarily normal, but on the road, they've really struggled. And now part of that's the schedule. They played the toughest schedule to open up Big 12 play in the history of the conference. We went and looked, had the Big 12 look it up. But they played four ranked opponents to begin the year, and three of them were in the top ten to begin the first four weekends of conference play. And that will shatter anybody's conference pretty fast. Um, as everybody knows, go down to Lubbock and playing them down there when they're hot and rolling is pretty difficult. And they caught TCU at the wrong time down in Fort Worth. So, I don't know. It, they are hot. Um, they didn't play very well Tuesday against Nebraska up in Lincoln, so we'll see how they fare against the other big red uh, in Norman there. With favorable conditions for them as far as their game and a home run ball on Friday night tonight. Let me ask you about each of the starters, starting with Connor McCullough tonight. Connor's been a little banged up. He's the one of the only two guys that's back from last year. He's certainly has improved his arsenal. He's a four-pitch mix guy. He'll run it up to 92 with a fastball. Canada, Arkansas, that uh, from the prep ranks, that was somewhat overlooked. And I think they thought that he might get drafted last year. But again, with the Baker League draft being compressed a little bit, some of those guys that might go in later rounds suddenly don't get that opportunity. So they were glad to have him back. He's been a little back uh, uh, dinged up this year with a bad back, but has powered through it. He's a bulldog competitor. Great pickoff move to first. So it'll be an interesting battle to see how he does holding runners on with the ground game of Oklahoma. He's not a guy that walks a whole lot of people, and he has a good pickoff move. So how that plays into Oklahoma's speed game will be very very interesting. All three K-State starters this weekend, by the way, right-handed. For whatever reason, Griffin Hassel's the one I've seen the most of this year. It seems like Every time I catch you guys, Griffin Hassel is on the mound. He's been impressive. Tell us about Hassel, who we'll see on Saturday. Hassel is an interesting story. He was the first ever recruit by Pete Hughes and his staff when they got here to K-State. He was on the Canadian national team, and he almost signed uh, unseen to Manhattan, but just fell in love with Pete Hughes and Buck Taylor, the pitching coach of K-State, came here and ended up skipping his high school graduation to come here to K-State early and be on campus ends up as the friday night starter in his first year but then as k-state gets better talent he somewhat falls down the depth chart a little bit was kind of a reliever just seldom used the last two years most guys at that point would say you know what i'm moving on i'm gonna transfer and go someplace else he doesn't he sticks through it fights through the adversity 
and ends up now as a guy that's been working on Friday nights and in the weekend rotation, and this pitch great. Now, he's not a guy that's going to blow you away. He's going to be upper 80s with a fastball, but he's an absolutely ferocious competitor, which plays into Pete Hughes' mentality, and I think he has just been hes been one of the great stories this season. He'll have his moments, but his command has been very good. He doesn't get rattled. He throws strikes, most importantly. And how about Blake Adams on Sunday? The guy that probably has the best stuff of anybody on the staff altogether. Uh, he's not going to throw the hardest of anybody. He'll sit in the low 90s with a fastball that can run up to 94, 95. But he's just a guy that is all around probably that has the best combination of stuff, slider, changeup, and good mix. And when he's on, he's very difficult. Uh, he held Texas to you know through seven innings, basically shut them down, held them to three hits through seven innings. And as you said, you've seen Texas offense. That is a monster offense. Um, so he dominated that game uh, up and down the lineup. So when he's on, he's very difficult to slow down. He transferred in from Arkansas, just hadn't had much playing time there at Arkansas, decided to look for better scenery. Uh, obviously knew some Arkansas success here at K-State with McCullough and Jordan Wicks, who both came from that state. And so he moved over here to K-State and has been great. And sometimes you might even see him get a couple of swings off. Uh, he's a, a batting practice hero. He's a big guy, and he can hit the ball a mile. So uh, in batting practice, you'll see him put on a show. And every now and then, the coaches will throw him in there as a pinch hitter and try and see if they can coax a home run out of him. I want to wrap it up by asking you about a couple of Sooners, uh, a player and then your head coach, former Sooners, I should say. Uh, Justin Mitchell, uh, former Sooner catcher, now up there in Manhattan, having a great year for you guys. He really is. Boy, I'm just happy for him, you know, and, and obviously have respected him for, for many years as he started there in Oklahoma, you know, four-year guy that, that obviously – anchored the, the heart of that Oklahoma offense the last couple of years and to handle the pitching staff as well and just getting to know him a little bit. Just a great guy. You know, uh, he showed up to our preseason banquet wearing big big cowboy hat, cowboy boots. He got this big old beard on. I mean, just a good old country boy, right? And uh, he's having a fantastic year at the plate. His best offensive year that he's ever had. And I think he just feels good, feels comfortable playing for the guy that recruited him and Pete Hughes, so there is some familiarity there. And um, playing really well playing really well really excited for him 337 hitting and a guy that's got some pop and uh hitting in the middle of the lineup for k-state so it's been good to see him yeah well you mentioned pete i mean that's kind of the the headline of the weekend this is the first time he's been back to ou have you had a chance to talk to him about what this weekend's going to be like or do you uh, have an anticipation as to what it's going to be like for him yeah we've talked a little bit about it um you know Listen, he, he, he didn't necessarily leave Oklahoma happy. As, as it, those sort of breakups and divorces never really go that way. But I, I think as he's gone on through his career here at K-State and he spent that one year at, over in the SEC, I, I think that he has begun to, to appreciate, and he talks a lot about the culture here at K-State and the fit for him here at K-State. And I think you and I have talked even about this. And, you know, personality-wise, I think he just fits a little bit better here, maybe in a more... Uh, a smaller level. I, I don't know, but that's not to say that he can't coach at a higher level, and I think he's proven that, that he's been successful where he's been. Um, I think his last year there at Oklahoma, they finished second, if I remember right, uh, in the Big 12. So I, as for his own personal feelings, I think he's kind of keeping them close to the vest. Um, I'm certainly, I'm certain he'll be motivated to, to show well for the Wildcats, but more than that, their focus, and they've talked daily about getting 
somehow on the bubble for the NCAA tournament, and they have a lot of work to do there, honestly. And whether they were playing Oklahoma this weekend, Kansas, or if they were playing the top teams in the league again, they just need wins, and they need to start cobbling together victories. It's no longer, hey, okay, we'll pick it up, we'll get it later in the conference season. It's time now to find victories. And so that's what they've talked about all this week is, hey, we got to go down there, we got to play well. It's time to win. We know what's out there. There's the carrot dangling in front of us. Let's go get it. Brian Smoller, he'll be on the call all weekend on the Wildcat Radio Network, OUK State Game 1, 6.30 tonight. Brian, thanks. We'll see you down there at the uh, ballpark in a few hours. All right, buddy. We'll see you then. There you go. Good stuff. Um, One interesting storyline, TJ, I think, to follow this weekend will be, and we talked about Justin Mitchell, uh, he has hit the ball well. He has not had much success with base runners this year, however behind the plate he has thrown out only five of 34 attempted base stealers and obviously running the bases has been a major part of the OU offense uh, this year so that will be something to keep an eye on is if Oklahoma stays ultra aggressive and has success running the bases on Justin Mitchell this weekend uh, we'll take a break. With yeah, the rule ahead. changes, and now that I've been added to the staff legally, that is a part of our game plan, yes. Oh, I'm sure they're going to love you sharing the game plan on the Go! public airway. Go! Go! <laughs> we'll be back. It's the Plank Show with Chris Plank and Josh Helmer. Weekdays from 9 a.m. till noon on your home for Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. Crossover time. Cleveland County Family YMCA. Chris Plank coming to us live now from... Lawrence, Kansas, where Sooner Softball plays 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, Chris, first-round reaction to the draft? Fun. Good times. Enjoyed it. Um, more more trades than I expected. And I think, what did we end up with, nine total moves? was kind of cool to see some active players, some current players involved in the A.J. Brown and uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown trades yesterday, two guys that – uh, all sides that had been involved told us that they weren't going anywhere. <laughs> and then we found out from uh, Eric Costa, the Ravens GM, that Hollywood had basically asked for a trade at the end of the season, and they've been spending a lot of time trying to facilitate that or at least find a good trade partner. Um, two guys that we weren't talking about getting traded got dealt last night while the people that did uh, get traded we hadn't been talked about too terribly much in A.J. Brown and, and, and Hollywood Brown. So I love that part of it. Um, there's still some things that confuse me. Like, if you're Tennessee, you just drafted A.J. Brown two years ago, three years ago, essentially. Why in the world would you look at Traylon Burks and say, there's our guy over A.J. Brown? That makes no sense to me. But here we are. You know, it's the modern-day NFL. It's, you know, you don't want to worry about paying a receiver too much money, so you bring in a rookie and, and hope that he can be as good as what you're replacing, and it doesn't. It doesn't ding you too much when that player moves on to the next level because receivers fall off after 30. So I thought the receiver draft was fascinating last night, Toby, and the moves yeah. that we saw. It was really fun to watch. Big run right there in the middle of the round on wide receivers. Okay, Sooners did not go on night one, but we expect multiple to potentially go tonight, second or third round. Got any hunches as to when we're going to – here, Perry on Winfrey and Nick Benito and maybe Brian Osamoa's name tonight? Uh, I think, you know, based on the way I'm sitting here looking at the, the, the second round, and 
at least in the, in the teams that are near the top. And the first team picking is a team that a lot of people had projected Perry on Winfrey to go to, and that's Tampa at 33. Um, a lot of people had projected Perry on to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick when they were sitting at, what, 27, 28 in the first round or wherever it was. Um, but I, I wonder, T. Rowe, if we're going to see a run on quarterbacks to start this second round. And I can't help but wonder if, if somebody, if it's a, if it's a Seattle, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you feel about this, but the Colts sitting at ten, mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, kid in the second round, forty second overall. Matt if Ryan, the Liberty kid is still there, I love it for them. Well, and I don't just mean sitting there and waiting at ten. I mean maybe moving up. Oh, okay. To try All to right. get him. Right, um, with some of the, the later round draft resources that you have. Washington at 15, Detroit at 14. Though, teams like Detroit, it, it's kind of odd because they, they passed on several opportunities to draft him, right? You had at least two and you moved up once and you passed on it in the first round. So maybe they see its value in the second. But anyway, b- back to your question. Um, I, depending on what happens with Willis, Sam Howe, Desmond Ritter, and um, I can't think off the top of my head who I'm leaving out right now, the fourth guy. But if, with, with depending on where that runs, uh, Matt starts Corral, maybe. Yeah, thank you, Matt Corral. Thank you, Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Wherever the run starts on those four guys, and, and maybe a Carson Strong, I don't know. Um, then I think you're going to see Perrion Winfrey pretty soon thereafter. You I mean you know, last night Jordan Davis went a, a, actually a little bit lower than I thought he would, but a lot higher than some expected him to at 13. Um, there wasn't a lot of interior defensive guys that went in the first round. In fact, he was the only true defensive tackle uh, that went in the first round outside of Devontae Wyatt, you know, who ended up going 28, uh, who some think can be an edge if necessary. So I, I'm intrigued to see how quickly that happens for Perrion tonight. I, I, I feel like awesome, or excuse me, I feel like Benito's going to be next off the board. And, I, again, there's that edge, that next class of edge rushers, and I think that could be – a little bit later in the second round. And someone's, you know, I, I, I had a little bit of time with Brian Osamoa on Saturday, and he, he, he seemed to feel pretty confident about the second round. Now, again, I haven't met a guy going into the draft process that isn't confident about going higher than maybe he might end up going. Um, but, you know, maybe you're, you're looking at, at Osamoa down around that, you know, 28 to 32 range here in the second round, you know, 60, 61, I think. I think I had him around 62 potentially to the Kansas City Chiefs. But I, I think that after a very frustrating first round for the Big 12 and for OU, uh, at least just in the guys that win, I think it's going to be a very, very active Friday night. Uh, Kansas is in last place in the Big 12 in softball, 13 Correct. games under 500. Uh, this is This could be an ugly weekend, right? There in in all of these games against bad teams, Toby. There's usually one game where you're like, "What happened there?" You know, six to four against yeah. Iowa State. You go back, you go back last year, and there was um, there was a nine to seven game against Iowa State. Um, but yeah, they, this this team seems really really focused on you know wanting to finish this thing out in style. And you know, you started to see. I think Coach Casso used the term. Sooner style in the way that Oklahoma finished off Iowa State on Saturday and Sunday. So I, I expect him to roll this week. You know, they had a 62 game against Kansas last year, 
but I think I think they're going to roll. And again, three o'clock today, Toby. New start yeah. time, two forty-five pregame show with some weather in the area no, this cool. week. It should be fun. That's cool of Patty to move the game up so you could see rounds two and three of the draft tonight. I mean, that's really a coach and a play-by-play guy working hand-in-hand there. She cares about me. We're tight, man. I know she does. relationship. <laughs> Have a great show and a great call today, Chris. Thanks, Toby. Talk to you soon, man. Thanks to Skip Johnson, Tyler Woodward, and Brian Smoller for all joining us today. You find folks as well. We've got OU baseball coming up tonight, 6.30 first pitch, 6 o'clock pregame show. And remember, folks, whatever bad happens to you this weekend, it's TJ's fault. Have a great weekend, everybody.